So let's welcome our missionary to Spain and a whole lot more, Mr. Lynn Berry. We got some people online today. We got Kat watching online. We got, and I bet she's a cool cat. We got Phyllis watching online. We got Marilyn. These are just three people. And uh, we want to one more time let our online audience know we are so glad you are watching today. We got people, uh, I got a, a message by Facebook this morning. Somebody's watching from Germany. And we have people watching from all over the world. And uh, we're real, real thankful that you know, foreign countries like California and stuff like that. So we're very, very thankful. Um, we are a church that is outward focused, not inward focused. Do we have needs in this congregation? Absolutely. Do we minister to one another in the house? Absolutely, absolutely. But primarily the mindset of this church is not that it's all about us. It's Amen. about others. Amen. It's about those who don't know Christ. So what are we doing today? What is this day about? This day is a, I believe, a historical day for us. We've never done this before. My son, Brandon, my oldest son, is an artist. He makes $25 a week. No, I'm just kidding. He, he, <laughs> he's an artist, and he does very, very well. And um, he... Uh, talks to me. You know, I never just was never in that world. I never had a connection with that world. He went to business school, tried to do, you know, the tie and the suit thing, and he hated it and came back and with tears said, Daddy, I want to do art. I want to be an artist. He said, I don't care if I live in a shack and drive a moped. I want to be an artist. And I said, man, pursue your passion. And through that, through that, because I don't care about, you know, I, I want my kids to do well, but I want my kids to be happy. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to be fulfilled. I want them to do what God intended them to do. And I want this church to be a church that has a culture that says, if, you're, if you don't have to be in three categories to do ministry, there are tons of categories of ministry mm-hmm. that you can do and be called to and, and use your gifts. So, My son, being an artist, woke me up to it, and I began to think, I wonder if the artists of our community here think the church doesn't care. I wonder, because I talked to my son about this, and and you know, in most churches today, and I'm not here to pick on churches, but in most churches today, there just isn't even a consideration of the artist, even though that's a gift from God, Mm -hmm. to be used to glorify God. So that's what we're talking about today, and we've got art in the church, and uh, Lynn has art out here uh, over in the area where we usually have a display of some kind. He has that area. His art is available today. If you see something you like and you want to make a donation to his ministry, pick up some of his art. That would be great. He's brought it to make it available to you. Let me just um, give you a few of my favorite scriptures that relate to artists and art in the Bible. I love this one because this one fits you. It fits you, and we're going to hear your story in just a minute. (coughs) A man's gift 
makes room for him and brings him before great men. Amen. I mean, that's your story right Amen. there. First Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Can I just say to all the artists who are here today, we know y'all are a little weird. We understand that. We got that. But we just, I just want to say to all the artists who are here today, I just want to say to you, be free to do your thing in this Amen. church. I want you to be free to do your thing in this church. Do your ministry. Do what God called you. 2 Timothy 1.6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, mm-hmm. which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Romans 11.29, this is the Amplified Bible. Y'all like the Amplified Bible? Three of you. Okay, listen. Y'all like the Amplified Bible? Okay, I know it's early service. I get it. Hey, was our worship off the hook this morning? <laughs> Man. And I, Tova over here, uh, playing the fiddle. Wasn't that just beautiful? Everybody's like, it's a violin, Pastor. Not when you're from Eastern North Carolina. That thing right there is a fiddle right there. <laughs> She's awesome, isn't she? And we're so glad her and Jason are here, and their little one's name is... Lena, yes, yes, Lena's awesome. As a matter of fact, if they hadn't brought Lena, we wouldn't have cared if they came or not. <laughs> Romans eleven twenty nine 29, for God's gifts and his call, listen to this, listen to this right here, are irrevocable. You, when God calls you to do something, you can't go, I, I think I'm not going to do that anymore. They're irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace and to whom he sends his call. Isaiah 68, uh, 64, 8. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. Listen to this. Listen to this description of God as an artist. We are the clay, you are the potter. Mm-hmm. We are all the work of your hand. And I love this one in Exodus, and then that's it. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a. This is in your Bible or by a designer, or by an embroiderer, broderer, in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Isn't that, isn't that great? Listen, we want to set our artist free today. I don't Amen. know what your gift is. I don't know what your craft is but we want to set you free today. You know, I mentioned last week, John Witt comes to our church. And John was severely burned in an accident, but because of that accident, he now is a custom jeweler. And he makes custom jewelry. As a matter of fact, he's going to make some rings. Did I talk to you all about this last week? He's going to make some rings and jewelry that have the bridge logo. He's going to make a ring that has my face on it. (laughs) and then when you guys want to make gorilla cookies you can just push it down (laughs) and make little gorilla cookie okay Um, last but not least I love this scripture in the beginning God created Amen. God is an artist isn't he an artist let me tell you who's with us today 
Linwood Berry is the regional director of Eastern Europe and also Southwest. Southwest Europe, right there it is. Right there's the word, (laughs) Southwest. I thought it was the airline you were over. (laughs) The regional director for Southwest Europe and also serves as superintendent of the Spain Conference and director of the Mustard Seed Institute. His wife, Nancy, and we know here at the bridge that behind every good man is a what? Better woman, exactly. His wife, Nancy, serves as the WIN, that's prayer ministry director for Europe and the Middle East. How about that, the Middle East? Uh, They are heavily involved in church planting and evangelism. And uh, we just encourage you to pray for the Berries as they mentor European nationals in church planting projects throughout that region. Pray for European churches to catch a vision for the harvest and make a sacrificial commitment to reach their own nations for Christ. This church has been a supporter of the Berries for a long time. One more time, make him really, really welcome here to the bridge today. One of the reasons he's here today, the primary reason he's here today, well, he's here for a lot of reasons, but one of the primary reasons he's here today is because he's an artist. And I wanted to show you guys some of his art. I want you to look. Uh, a lot of people don't know he created this right here. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's just off the hook right there. Y'all see why I invited him now? You see? That's why he's here. Man's awesome. <laughs> You know I'm going to do something. You know. Pharaoh, what are you getting you Oh, man. Listen, I want to set you free here, brother. I want, you to, I want you to share with us. Tell us about your family. Tell us how you came to the Lord. Well, uh, first of all. Get up, walk around, do whatever you want to do. Okay. Right. Well, first of all, thank you all for, I'm just amazed to look out here this early in the morning uh, and see so many people worshiping God. It's just uh, a thrill to me. Just a a joy and a thrill, and I'm so honored to be here with you. You've got a great pastor and a great church, and you already know that. Okay, can I go on now? <laughs> Did I, is that what you want me to do? No. Don't forget <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. But uh, it, is, it is a joy to be here. Like uh, Pastor Farrell said, the, this church has been a supporting church for us, partnering with us for over 27 years now. And uh, I have to say that uh, that's been a great partnership, and like so many things, uh, you believed in us when we weren't even sure if we believed in ourselves, but you believed in us. And we went to Spain. Uh, Spain at that time, we had no ministry of our church, our our mission, had no uh, people, no ministry, anything in Spain. And uh, so Nancy and I went there and we began. But going back to the question about our family, I'm from North Carolina, from the Outer Banks, is my home. And uh, grew up like so many of you, just a normal guy, a normal kid, with a few exceptions. One, one exception is my family was a family of artists. So there was something in the, I guess, in the DNA my great-grandfather, whose name I share, um, he uh, was a maker of these uh, wooden figureheads they used to put on the old wooden sailing ships. You've seen those, like mermaids or something, you know? That's what my great-grandfather did for a living. 
And then his son, who was my granddaddy, was a well-known watercolor artist. And, uh, and he was just a great guy. My dad was a jazz musician. And uh, he made his living with a saxophone for 40 years. My uncle was, was and still is today a maker of musical instruments. And some of the names, of, I don't want to just drop names, but some very high-level musicians own his guitars and mandolins and things that he, he has made. So it's just a family of artists. I said there's something in the Barry DNA that says we're just, we're just not cut out for a decent day's work. We have to do something a little bit different. My dad was a jazz musician, and uh, that put him into a world that was, uh, well, you can imagine. And he was married five times. My mother was his first wife. Uh, I don't know how many girlfriends he had. But uh, he was a great guy, but he was a guy who didn't know how to navigate that world. And uh, his father and my grandfather and nobody that we know were Christians. And so uh, he tried to navigate those gifts without a pilot. And, uh, and because of that, until the end of his life, about the last 10 years, he did meet the Lord and everything changed and all things were made new and his life took a whole different tack. But because of that, uh, my parents were divorced when I was young. And like a lot of people back in the 60s, I went through a period of rebellion and anger, and uh, my mom was a single mom trying to, struggling with us, and, and especially with me, and when she got so frustrated she didn't know what to do, she would ship me off to my granddaddy, and granddaddy would give me lessons in art and lessons in life, and uh, he would tell me things like, son, you'll get a lot further in life with your hat in your hand than you will with a chip on your shoulder. And lessons like that, that was granddaddy. So about 12 years old, I began to paint in a, I would say, a, a serious manner, you know, something beyond the coloring book. I had a mentor, and my mentor was my grandfather. And from that time until this day, I can't say that I've ever not uh, painted. Uh, that's going to be 50 years if you're interested in knowing that I've been struggling with and trying to make art. Along the way, I met my wife Nancy, and we were both hippies. We went through all that stuff in the 60s and 70s. And if you, uh, I, I saw Forrest Gump with my son when it came out in the movie theater, where there's a, a theater in Madrid. We went to see it actually in English, and I was, had my teenage son with me at the time, and I cried all the way through the movie. And he said, what in the world, Dad? As far as God, why are you crying? I, I said, that's my life. Wow. That's my life. I lived everything in that movie. And, and we were hippies, and we did all the, just about everything that hippies did, from the drugs to the everything else. And um, even got into the back-to-the-land movement, raised our own food, kept chickens, built a house, did all of that stuff, and then we noticed a lot of our friends starting to die off and starting to lose their mind, and, and uh, by God's grace, uh, he came into our lives and he saved us. We weren't looking for him, but he was looking for us, and, and that changed everything, and we became Christians. Well, three months after we uh, had accepted the Lord, 
I, we moved to Raleigh to take a job, and uh, that's how we got into this church. Because the second Sunday we were in Raleigh, we were just looking for a church, and we were just driving down the road, and we said, the first church we come to, we'll go to that church, and that's how we got into this organization, and we've been here ever since. And God used that to guide us to a place where we could have a spiritual father, we could have a spiritual family. Our lives were so dysfunctional, we didn't know what it was to have a family. We didn't know what it was to have a father. God brought us to a place where we could get some healing and we could get uh, some understanding of that. And then after a few years, the Lord began to deal with us and uh, make it very clear that His plan for us was going to take us from North Carolina somewhere else in the world. We didn't know where, and, uh, but we knew it was missions. We heard that call. One of the curious things is the first involvement I ever had with missions was through art. In that church, we used to have an auction. Once a year, we'd have an auction, and everybody would bring things to auction off. And I would carve duck decoys, and I would make paintings and bring them to that auction, and they'd auction it off, and all the proceeds went to the go offering, to the missions offering from that church. And little did I know that, you know, someday it would all come full circle. But then we went to Spain. Uh, we became missionaries. The first time we applied, they turned us down. They said, no, no, we, <laughs> you don't have any Bible school training. You're not, we didn't fit the mold. And uh, we're, we, we've evolved beyond that a little bit today. But we did get uh, Bible school, and we met some requirements. And we persevered. That's all I'm trying to say is we didn't let no define us. And we didn't let no define what God had called us to do. And God made a way, and he helped us, and we went through, eventually, we're able to go to Spain. Awesome. Well, I would imagine that uh, coming from an eastern North Carolina culture, going to Spain, is it, is it different? Well, <laughs> right, right. Well, first of all, Spain is in Europe, for those of you who are wondering, and uh, we don't eat Mexican food in Spain. That's Mexico. <laughs> Spain is on the Mediterranean. It's over there by Italy and all that, you know, France, next door neighbor, Portugal. And uh, so it's a very different kind of place than the place I was raised. Uh, I went from a small town to a city of six million people. I went from a single family home to living in a high rise apartment that had 22 floors. On each floor, there were 40 apartments. And, you know, just the building itself was a small city. And I went, of course, from speaking Carolinian, (laughs) high-tied Carolinian, for those of you who need an interpreter. And uh, I went from that to having to learn to speak Castilian Spanish, which God helped us to do that. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And what happened, uh, our assignment was to begin uh, the work of our church there. And at that time, it was just right after Franco had died and and the country was coming out of 40 years of dictatorship. There was a lot of anarchy. There was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of prostitution. But uh, God was with us. And, um, you know, everything that you have in your background, God is going to use that. Absolutely. 
because it looked like when God sent us to Spain in the early 80s, it reminded me of the 60s that I grew up in and the 70s. And so a lot of those people that I were talking to, they looked a whole lot like me before I became a Christian through the Jesus People Movement. And so um, uh, we, one lady uh, had two kids, the same age as our kids. And, uh, you know, kids get together. Kids get together. They have no fear. And uh, one day she knocked on our door. She was looking for her kids. She said, are my kids in your house? And, and we said, yeah. Of course, all this conversation is in Spanish. We said, yeah, come on in. And then she, Spanish people very direct in their way of talking. She said, well, you know, I noticed that you don't go to work every day like all the other men in this building. What do you do for a living? And I wasn't really thinking about how to answer that question. I said, well, uh, uh, I'm a missionary. She said, a missionary in Spain? What in the world does a missionary do in Spain? And just like that, the Holy Spirit gave me a thought. And I said, well, you know, and I was working at a desk. I said, well, you know, about a third of my time is, you know, administrative paperwork things. And, and then another third of my time is preaching and teaching the Bible. That's the Word of God. And then the rest of the time, just we like to help people. And she said, what do you mean helping people? And I told her about marriage counseling and drug counseling and all this pub, good service works we do. And I said, but you know, mostly people, when they have problems, they just need somebody to talk to. And we're here to listen. She said, well, you're looking at a woman with a world of problems. I said, have a seat. She sat down. She talked an hour. I said, wow, you've got some real whoppers. <laughs> I don't know if we can help you or not. But I know who can, and his name is Jesus. Would you allow us to pray for you? And so we prayed for her, just the Lord would help her with her problems. The next day, I bought a Bible, wrote a little inscription, gave her a Bible. I said, just about every answer that you need is in this book. Mm. So a week went by. We saw her in the elevator of our building. And I said, how's your Bible reading coming? She says, I can't understand a word in that book. <laughs> I said, if you like, we'll go over there and read it together. And then when we get to a part you don't understand, we'll explain it to you. And so that's what we started doing, and we did that for six months. Well, then we had a girl come and live with us for the summer uh, from Argentina. And our family devotion time, up until that time, was just we'd pray with our kids before they went to bed. We said, let's do something more. We've got this girl living. Let's, let's do something more. Let's have a cell meeting. We didn't have an idea what a cell meeting was. All we knew was that Yonggi Cho, the biggest church in the world, had cell groups, whatever they were. And Nancy said, let's invite Juani, our neighbor. So we invited her, and we sang a few songs, and we read the Bible together, and we prayed. And then Nancy went to make some coffee, and Juani said, I've got a question. She said, what do I need to do to become a Christian like you? That's how all this work, we have 13 churches today, a Bible school and all that stuff. That's how it started. So, so uh, through her testimony, she was such a notorious person. She was like the woman at the well. And through her, we had, by the end of that summer, 19 people meeting together and the church took off. And, of course, it's been three steps forward, two steps back, but 
that's basically how it all got started. Along the way, worked with a lot of difficult kind of people, you know, drug addicts, prostitutes. There's just not enough time to tell all the testimonies. Well, you and I have shared some stories, um, or you've shared some stories with me. I've just been um, overwhelmed and amazed at what God has done. And what I want you to talk about is how did art play a role? I mean, yeah. start with nothing, and now there are 13 churches? Yeah. And how did art play a role in well, that? Well, let me, let me just, uh, we, so we, as, as the work developed, and we started out, we were working a lot with uh, all kinds of people. Let me say you've got to have all kinds of people, because God's not just the God of the poor, and he's certainly not just the God of the elite. But he's not just God of the carpenters and bus drivers. He's also the God of the lawyers and bankers. So God wants to reach everybody at every level of society. But very often in the beginning, because of the way we started, we, we were working with people that had a lot of problems. And, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and we still do that. So I'm, I'm, not making any, I'm not making less of that. But, uh, but that demands a lot of time and a lot of your resources. Well, one of these guys, a guy named Rafa, came to us. He was a drug addict, and he was a notorious criminal. And uh, he was incarcerated nine times before he was 30 years old. But uh, the Lord saved him, and he became one of our disciples and went to our Bible college. And one day, he, he and the most beautiful girl in the church showed up, and um, he, they told me they wanted to get married, and I'm still, you know, I, have, I believe in miracles, but I was still doubting that thing. I said, no, not her, not her. But lo and behold, they got married, and we married them, and, and um, his life just took a radical change. And so one day he came up to me, and he said, you know, Lynn, and he, with tears in his eyes, he said, God's been so good to me. Everybody hated me, but now everybody loves me. I had no future. I had no health. I had no job. I hadn't, and he said, and, you know, everything's changed, and if that wasn't enough, I have my Patty. His wife's name is Patty. He said, just one thing I would ask of God. He said, you think that sometime God would allow me to be a pastor? Wow. And I said, is that what's in your heart? Is that what you feel God calling you to do? He said, yeah, that's what's in my heart. I said, well, if it's in your heart, then you can do it. You must do it, because if it's in your heart, you'll never have peace until you do it. I said, but we don't have a church for you to pastor. So that means you've got to start one. So he went to his hometown, and in six weeks, they had won 12 people to the Lord, and they started a little church. One day he's walking down the road and he sees the lady judge that sentenced him to prison the ninth time he was in jail. And uh, in those small towns, when he was doing drugs and all, he had a, he had a nickname called El Cordobes. It was a famous bullfighter. And Rafa was notorious for his bravery and his violence. That's why they called him El Cordobes. He sees this lady judge. He says, oh, your honor, do you remember me? And she says, I don't believe I do. He said, who, she said, who are you? He said, I'm Rafa. He said, well, I know many people named Rafa. Which one are you? He said, El Cordobes. She said, can't be. 
He said, it is. And he gave her his testimony. And he says, you know, we just started a little church. I'm the pastor. You see that building over there? That's the church building. Six o'clock Sunday night, we have a service. You need to come. She came, brought her husband, two little kids. Rafa preached. When he finished, she came forward with tears in her eyes, turned around and said, I know God is real because only God could take this man from what he was and make him what he is. So, So, they're planting this church, but they have no money. And I'm burdened because he's a spiritual son, and I'm saying, oh, God, what can we do? What can we do? They need some money because they don't have any money. This totally faith venture. And I heard the Lord say, use what you have in your hand. It just so happened I was making a painting. I looked down, I had a paintbrush. And I got this idea. So I made a painting, took the painting to a print shop. They made 300 prints. I sold those prints. And with the sale of those prints, I could pay a salary for Rafa for one and a half years, which was just the time they needed to get over the hump and get the church off to a good start. And that's how we began to, as I say, back into art when it began to transform into something more than just a hobby, more than just uh, a stress reliever, but it began to take on a different life. So I thought, you know, maybe I need to be doing a little bit more of this. And, um, and, and I just put that in the hands of God, and I, I found a studio, and I rented the studio, my own money, just by faith, rented a studio, and I took one wall, and I would uh, kind of cleaned it up a little bit. And then people would come, and they would look at the paintings hanging on that wall. And I would just do this in my spare time. All the rest of the time, I'm pastoring, and I'm doing all this missionary stuff, and we're doing all that. All that stuff your pastor does, and every pastor does. But instead of playing golf or going fishing, that's what I'd go to my studio. And people began to buy these paintings and... and and encouraged me, you need, to, you need to do more of this. Spanish people, some of them not Christian people. So we cleaned it up and we made an art studio. And we had an art show. And then to my surprise, when we announced the art show, we had five newspapers show up and three TV stations show up. And the mayor of the city and the minister of culture and all these business people with deep pockets and the university crowd, because it's in the university district, and then some of the arts people, and even, by the way, a few normal people showed up. <laughs> and, and then uh, we just began to share, and there's a place in most art exhibits where the artist gets to state his vision, you know, and I always talk about the same thing. How did a guy like me get to be here? And I just told him, I was a hippie, and... God got a hold of my life, and I came to Spain because God brought me here to do something that will make an impact in this nation, and art is just something that he gave me, like all good and perfect gifts come from the Father of lights, Absolutely, yes. in whom there's no shadow of turning. And I talked about the fact that all creativity flows from the Creator, and as we just began to share that, everything I paint, there's some paintings out there, and I do hope some of you will take them home because that way I don't have to pack them up. And that's also a way we finance all the stuff we do. But 
but uh, I said, all creativity flows from the creator. And uh, not only did we sell art, but many people began to call us, and we made friendships, and we followed up. And at the end of that, we ended up planting a church in that art gallery with people whose initial contact with Christians was the arts. They weren't looking for a church. They just went to an art show. And so that church, we pastored that church for five years, and then we laid our hands and named a pastor. And three months into his ministry, um, he calls me one day, this was 2008, and he says, Lynn, this economic crisis is killing us. He said, um, we have 11 families in the church. We have 100% unemployment. What do we do? I had just returned from Paris. And I said, well, in the church in Paris, we have a nice food bank. Let's start a food bank. So we did. They took some of the money out of the church and bought some chickens and some vegetables to go along with the dry goods we were getting from the Red Cross. Those 11 families in a short time were feeding 51 families. To this day, 51 families or more eat out of that food bank that's still operating. A year went by. Of the original 11 families, 10 were recalled back to their jobs. Another miracle. But as time went by, that city, the politics, the politicians came to the pastor, one of the political parties, and said, we see the good work you're doing, and we'd like to put your name up for city councilman. He said, I'm too busy. Talk to my wife. They talked to the wife. Sure enough, she said yes. She got involved in politics, is on the city council. In March of this year, through her influence in the city council, the, church, the city has donated to the church, that church that began in an art gallery, the city donated a building and the land that they use right now to have a soup kitchen where they're feeding the homeless and ministering to the hungry every single day of the week. And so this is how you transform nations. Yeah. You, it started in an art gallery with people who were not looking for Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit was present in the art and in the testimony. And he reached out and touched their lives so that we could start a church. That church then grew and became a church with a heart for its surrounding environment, for its community, and they began to give. And then God blessed their giving. And then the politics, the, the influential people that could actually change something, said, we want to partner with you, and that's what's going on today. So that's one way the arts have made an impact. Is that amazing? That's just amazing. What a story. You know, he's talking. I'm sitting over here thinking about the Bellamy Brothers song. I'm an old hippie, and I don't know what to do. Y'all know that song? Y'all know that's how I think. Hey, Proverbs 18, 16, first verse I read, a man's, and that means humans. That doesn't mean male man. It means a person's. Humans gift makes room for him and brings him 
before great men. Is that scripture fulfilled right here today? Oh, my goodness. Um, you told me a story. Matter of fact, I've not heard any of these stories. Well, <laughs> this is all new stuff. You told me a story about a meeting recently. Yeah. I, I want to so hear. I want let, to me, let me just, uh, I, I realize I'm a talker. I'm a talker. And the beauty of being a pastor in Spain, time is never a factor. Yeah, yeah. Once we get there, we're there for the duration. So it doesn't matter. But um, the, so many things have evolved out of that. Let me just say, I, I, I operate on the principle of divine appointment. My number one strategy of life right now is God's going to show up. God's going to show up. So I want to say to all of the artists and everybody else, training, the purpose of training is to prepare you for divine appointments so that when a door opens, you're thoroughly prepared to go through that door and take full advantage for the kingdom of that opportunity. And so many opportunities, Pastor Peter Lakatos from Hungary, that was a door that opened. And you know why it opened? It opened through art, and it was a divine appointment. And, right. and, and through that, God just joined us together and, and man, you talk about a man of God. That is, that is one of my heroes, Peter Lakatos. And, and so all of this is just a God thing. But uh, recently, uh, we were making plans, to, of course, to come here. And we went to a conference out in Texas. And my sister lives in Texas. And when my dad was uh, going through a real difficult time and his second marriage and he was doing a lot of drinking, and his second wife was also an alcoholic. And there came a time when um, the state actually took my half-sister. I just say my sister because there's no half about her. She's all sister, and all my heart is with her. And they actually took her away from my dad for a season and gave her to Nancy and me to be her parents for a year, another divine appointment. Yes. And that year that she lived with us, when she was about 15, that year she accepted the Lord, and now she's 50, and she's still walking with Jesus today. And God has blessed her, and she is a real smart cookie and uh, a petroleum engineer, and she lives in Houston, where she's an oil company executive. Well, we do this thing uh, that we call uh, art in the house, and sometimes we call it art with a mission, and basically all it is is this. Maybe some of you would like to try this. Is uh, invite me to your house, and I'll bring some paintings, and let's have an art party. And invite all your friends, and especially the ones who don't want to go to church, and we'll just have a one-night party with art in your house. And I'll set up an easel, and we'll put the paintings on one by one and tell our story and eat some food and just have a good time. And uh, we have seen God use that, and we've done it all over the world. Well, I proposed to my sister. I said, you know, we're going to be in Texas. How about if we drop down to Houston and have art in your house? And she loved the idea. I said, now go and invite all your friends and it doesn't matter if they're Christians or not, because that's not a problem for us. And uh, 
so she invited 12 of her friends who were all high-level oil company executives. One guy owns a, a company, a worldwide heli helicopter crane company, if you can imagine. And all these are people in the oil industry, nicest, most exclusive neighborhood of Houston, Texas. And there we are. And we had this art in the house. Well, uh, everybody wants to know. First question, you're in Spain. Why did you go to Spain? And so we explained what I've already told you. And then, and, and then uh, we put the art on the easel and talk a little bit about it. And let me just say, if you're interested, outside in the foyer, all those paintings have a message. And I made a painting for today, and it's got a bridge on it, and it has a message. And I'll tell you that when you talk to me after the service. <laughs> but as we began to talk, the Holy Spirit began to work because I believe and I know this to be true every human being has a deep spiritual hunger for God they just don't know what to do with it and so when it was all over with the guy the helicopter crane guy he says man he said I would trade places with you today There were, literally were tears. We sold a lot of art. But then I, I felt the Lord, I said, you know, I don't normally do this, but I just feel this. I said, would you allow me to pray for you? And I'm speaking to 12 people. And each one said yes. And we just prayed for each one that God would bless them. And hearts were just broken, unashamed tears flowed. flowed. And... All of them gave me their contact information. And I'm just saying, there's something in this. I don't know if you can, if I'm conveying what I want to convey. But whatever God has given you, just use it. Yes, yes. Just use it. And he'll use it. Your two little fishes, your five loaves of bread. I like this thing about God. He takes somebody like Peter, who has a natural gift for fishing. He says, if you'll let me get into your gift... Invite me in. And then, of course, when you invite him in, he, he, he's, he's into full partnership. He's not into a secondary role. So that means each partner has the option of saying where we're going to fish today. He said, throw the, throw the net over there, and then you have a great fish. But when he gets back to land and you get back to the service... He says, let me take this natural gift that you have and let me use it and take it to a whole different level of existence and where you discover what that gift was really meant to accomplish. Yes, yes, yes. That is exactly, <clears throat> I'm sitting here thinking, that's how I want to close. Are you a mechanic? Are you good at construction? Are you a painter? Now see, I can't paint like he does, but I can paint a wall. <laughs> I don't know what you're good, I, I mean, are you good with flowers? Are, are you good, I don't know. I'm just, I wanted to say today that you're good at something. 
Mm -hmm. You're passionate about something. And God wants to use that. Not, you might think it's the dumbest thing in the world. God can't never, could never use this. I promise you that whatever you're good at, whatever you're talented at, whatever is a passion in your heart, I promise you it came from God. And I promise you he wants to use it in a way. And what I wanted to convey today is just to plant seed in you how to begin to ask yourself, how would God use this? How would God use this? And you, you might be sitting here today going, I don't know what I'm good at. And there's some of you wives looking at your husbands and going, I'm telling you, he's not good at anything. <laughs> <coughs> yes, he is. Your children, let your children, don't try to make your children like you. Let them be who God made them to be. Certainly there are boundaries, but let your children express. Let your children, let their gifts come to the top. I, I think I would have devastated my son if I'd looked at him and said, seriously, you're going to quit. A, a, a job where you're making enough money to own your own house and own your own car and pay your own bills and you're going to quit all that and you're going to become an artist. I mean, if I had said that to him, because my son really cares, and your children do too, what you as a dad mm -hmm. think about them and think about their choices. And when I looked at him and said, I want you to be happy, that's all I care about is for you to be fulfilled and love Jesus that's all I care about. And when I did that, it released him, and now he is the happiest he's ever been in his life. So I don't know what you're good at, but God wants to use it. I'm going to ask one of our backstage guys, and I know I didn't tell them this, so I'm going to ask one of our backstage guys to come and get Lynn, and let's take him out. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, Pastor Andy, and lead him out there. And I'm going to ask the rest of you to stand with me. How about this message today? Wasn't this awesome?